FMX Network Production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know a new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires and brought to you by Blendsall, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, and Fly Racing. It is Monday morning. This is the Industry Seating Podcast. I am your host, Jason Thomas, and it's finally over. We're almost to July. It is June 22nd, and we have finally finished the 2020 Monster Energy Supercross Series. Now, as we know, this was the year of coronavirus, and everything we thought we knew about how series would go, and you know, we, we finish, go to Vegas, and then this year was going to be in Salt Lake. All got turned on its head, and then we had this seven-round Supercross Bonanza that we've just finished. And uh, for everyone that's been here this entire time, we're ready to go home. And I actually have to go to California this morning, so I am not going home. But uh, I just talking to people last night here at the hotel, it's been a long three or four weeks. Because remember, a lot of these people came in early. They had to get prepared, and we had all had to get coronavirus tests and wait for the 48-hour window. And on top of that, they all had a lot of work to do to prepare and get everything dialed in and ready for this whole run, too. So I, I've heard some numbers. Some people were saying 26, 27 days that they've been at this hotel uh, here, the Doubletree downtown or at their Airbnb, whatever. And for the staff, they were at the track every single day which is crazy. I don't even know what they were doing <laughs> in between races. I wouldn't think there would, there was a whole lot to do, but just talking to some of them, they were there every day and I'm sure they are ready to go home and regroup and spend some time with their family and get a little bit of time off. But having said that, this is crunch time for 2021 planning because typically the series would be over for five weeks, six weeks already. Yeah. Maybe even seven weeks, right? So they're, they're going to have to get to work right away on preparing what they can sort out for next year because we don't know who, you know, which states can have fans and that's all moving targets. I, I don't know that we'll even know that in the near future, you know, we, we're going to have to play it by ear and see what the NFL does and what, well, it doesn't look like baseball is going to do a whole lot, but I think football will really be the platform that we use to build our plan around because what, you know, it's such a bigger presence and they're going to have so many more eyeballs on them. And I feel like whatever they can pull off state wise and fan wise will make it that much easier for us to do so. And we're going to have a roadmap built for us. And it's, it's a little bit apples to oranges because our business model for, for supercross is built around fans. That's that's the primary source of income. Where the NFL and I don't I don't want to lump college football in there because it's a little bit different, but the NFL for sure I believe is sustainable 
just off of the television revenue. Yes, they will take a hit. If they can't sell 60,000, 70,000 tickets, whatever the, the NFL number is, at some stadiums it's a lower number than that. But the tickets are extremely expensive. They're you know, $200, dollars $400 for a ticket to get into these NFL games. So losing that revenue will hurt the NFL owners, but I think there are some very smart people involved with the NFL that they're going to find ways to offset that revenue, right? They'll be able to sell more NFL direct TV packages. Uh, Maybe there are ways to renegotiate uh, with their local broadcast teams there. I, I would bet there are a lot of conversations being had on how to negate some of the losses because I don't think that people are going to watch any less. You know, those people that can't go to the game in that city, they're going to watch on TV and they're going to want to watch their favorite teams. And for for me too, I'm, I'm a huge NFL fan and I'm going to be watching every game. So a little bit of a different uh, business plan there, but I, I do think we will learn stuff because from what I'm hearing – whether the NFL has fans in seats or not is going to be state-led. So, you know, we could watch one game that's going on in, uh, let's say, at Foxborough in Massachusetts where the Patriots are playing, and maybe they have no fans. But then we, you know, if, if you're at a sports bar watching all the games like I like to do, you cut over to the Dallas Cowboys game. They're playing at home, and Texas has decided that they're going to allow fans, and there are fans there. So I really think that's where we're headed is – a completely different scenario state by state. And I don't think we're going to see sold out stadiums. I think there are, they will have to do social distancing and maybe every other seat. Uh, but having people there will be a start, right? And, and I don't know that we're ever going to get back to the way it used to be without, without a vaccine. That seems like the only way that people are going to be comfortable enough to allow just People, you know, just on top of each other, sitting on top of each other, huge crowd gatherings. But we'll see. I mean, there are there are already things happening like that. Obviously, the you know the Trump rally that happened on uh, Saturday, Was it Saturday, Friday. Either way, there were crowds there, and this is not a political podcast, nor will it ever be. But you're already starting to see some of that happening, whether it's good or bad. So let's just see how this thing plays out. Luckily for us, we have another a uh, little bit less than six months until Supercross Racing goes back again. And we'll also have Lucas Oil Pro Motocross starting up in three weeks to kind of see where that all goes. Uh, I think that's the most pressing issue for our sport. Uh, obviously, all sports have lots of issues, but finding a way to get fans back to these events is paramount. It's the only way that the, the series can really operate. They need that revenue above all else there are sponsors there is television revenue but it's not enough it's not enough to make these series successful and have the same level of a series that we're used to so keep an eye on that and it's going to be a a moving target as we go and it's going to be a developing story now getting into salt lake seven round 17 pretty crazy action right the 250 class was simply unbelievable (laughs) I, uh, I had a couple things to do uh, Sunday morning, so I arrived a little bit late. But um, just from the start, you know, practice was a little chaotic, and certainly the heat races were next level. I mean, guys crashing and, and so much uh, just unpredictability, 
and you think it's it's just got to be lack of experience and too much anticipation and you know youthful exuberance getting the best of uh you know their lack of poise and and an inability to stay calm in the moment because you're watching Chase Sexton jump on top of Colt Nichols which sucked and you're just watching these crashes and all that you know let's go back to qualifying practice the east guys go for the start which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen these guys just sending it on the start in qualifying practice. I, I will never understand that. And there are first turn crashes and even the 450 guys do it at times. And I just shake my head at it. And this time there was a big crash. McElrath and Sexton and all these guys are sprawled out all over the ground. For what? You're accomplishing nothing in that qualifying practice start. I don't. I just don't get it. Uh, Shane McElrath even was a little banged up. He was shaking his wrist in that practice start crash and just more evidence of uh, I, I, if I'm a team manager, I say, Hey dude, stop doing that. Do, you know, let everybody go. Then do your practice start. You know, the start is easily the most dangerous aspect of a motocross or supercross race. And you're going to just add two more in there or three more at, at times in there into the mix for, for no upside. There is nothing to be gained. There are no points given, it's not helping you at all. So yeah, I don't, I don't fully understand it. And again, we saw a huge crash that could have, it could have taken one of the contenders out and and nearly did. So that kind of carried into what we saw in the, the heat race and the main events. Um, as far as the East coast got, you know, went, uh, I really feel like Sexton kind of made it happen. And we really saw a trend develop at Tampa and then we had a break and then it reemerged in these last seven rounds. Well, they didn't race all of them, but in the rounds that the East Coast guys raced. And what I mean by that was McElrath came out at Tampa and I don't want to say blew everybody away, but he got the starts and he made life easy for himself. And I think everybody left Tampa saying he was the best guy. Well, he slowly, I don't want to say he, but his results slowly deteriorated from there. He went one, two, three, five for his first four rounds of results. So you could see him start to just drop off a tiny bit. He wasn't the same guy that he was at Tampa. Now, if you look at his results at the Salt Lake rounds, very similar, right? He kind of did the same thing. He came into the first round. He wins. Everybody's like, oh, man, Shane McElrath is back. Goes to the second round. Does the same thing. And we're like, oh, boy. You know, now we're tied. The series was tied up. And then from there, Chase Sexton really kind of took back over. And I don't think McElrath's decline was the same. Like he didn't go that one, two, three, five, but he did go two, two, two. And he certainly didn't have the pace that Shane McElrath had. I think that's a pretty fair argument. Chase Sexton, he, he simply earned this title. I don't think anybody can take anything away. I think even if you're Shane McElrath, even though there is a protest that is still undecided as far as I know, this is uh, 5 a.m. Mountain Time on Monday. I have not heard the final results of the fuel protest that Star Yamaha, Monster Star Yamaha uh, filed. But I think Chase Sexton earned the respect of everybody. I think he earned this championship as long as it stands. And if you're Shane McElrath, you just have to own that. He just beat you, and you had every opportunity he passed you several times over the last few rounds, and he was able to ride away from you. He did the same thing 
yesterday. And yes, you can blame red flags, you can blame whatever, but that's not Chase Texan's fault. He had nothing to do with red flags. All you can do is race against the opportunities that are in front of you. And when you're in front, like like Shane McElrath was, you can't let Chase Sexton pass you and run away. You cannot do it. You have, I mean, that's the purest form of racing is two guys have separated and it's just who's faster than the other guy. That That's really what it comes down to. And Chase Sexton made it happen and Shane McElrath didn't. That's just what it was. So kudos to Chase Sexton. I really think he made a huge step forward in 2020. I don't think he was the best guy in 2019. Austin Forkner took himself out of the championship where I believe he was the best guy. In this 2020 series, I do believe Chase Sexton was the best guy. Now, it was marginal because McElrath was better at times, but you know that's why it's a series. That's why it's spread out over months. I, I thought Sexton really earned this, and I, th- I think it was a very nice springboard for him to go into the 450 class coming off of a title that he actually deserved where last year, I mean, no, no titles are handed out or given, but, um, you could, you could definitely argue that there was a little bit of luck on Chase Sexton's side in 2019. So crazy, crazy East coast racing. I think the biggest bummer was Colt Nichols, uh, you know, injury. Chase Sexton made a horrible decision there, and I get it, people saying that Nichols moved over and yada, 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 but I still stand by the fact that for Chase Sexton there, in that scenario, when you are battling for a championship, you can't triple to the inside there. You just can't do it. It's a really bad decision because the consequences of it going wrong are big, really, really strong (laughs) consequences for anything going bad because you can't predict where Nichols is going to go the line is to drift to the inside. Now, whether he thought Nichols was going to go to the berm or not, that's up for discussion. And I'm sure Sexton would defend himself and say he predicted that, but you, you can't really always predict that correctly because there were so many guys that were cutting across the inside of that single and then hitting the triple from the inside, like drifting across there. And if you're Sexton, you know, what's your move? You're going to triple to the inside and then slide through the corner. You're definitely not going to be able to triple in that scenario. So I just don't think the risk reward was anywhere near worth it. And even if he makes the pass, so what? It's just the heat race. You're going to go from third to second. Who cares? You know, like maybe your gate picks a little bit better, but this, you got a championship to win. You got a six point lead over McElrath. You don't even, you don't have to win the heat. You don't have to beat Chase or Colt Nichols in the heat. They're not even giving points in the heat. Like you're safely in qualifying position. So I think it was just a little bit of youth, you know, on the side. And there was a lot of that on display in the 250 class yesterday. Um, But yeah, the bummer is that Colt Nichols is injured again. And he'd done so much work and had improved so much to get back to being ready for this, you know, the summer. Lucas Oil Promoter Cross. And and obviously he had been on the podium in this uh, Supercross run too. And now it sounds like he has a broken arm, is going to have to start over, you know, heal and get prepared again. So I really feel for Colt Nichols. Um, yeah, injuries happen in the sport, but when you see them mount in succession and guys don't even get to race much and they have to start over, it, I really feel for those guys because I've been there and it really weighs on you mentally and physically. Now, as for the West, pretty wild day, right? I, most of the drama throughout the day was surrounding Dylan Ferrandis. Because, you know, Austin Forkner kind of got into the main pretty easily. No big deal. But Ferrandis goes down in the 
the second turn of the heat race, he gets run over. And I was spotting for NBC Sports, and uh, you know there was a lot of chatter, obviously just chaos on the on the radios between the broadcast team of Ralph and Ricky, and then the producers and cameramen, and everybody's trying to get the right shots. And is he going to qualify? And is he not? And I'm just kind of telling those guys, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, he, he's not going to qualify, guys. Like he's so far back, there is zero chance. And this West Coast is so deep, there's no way. Because remember. You know, if this would have been a normal West Coast race, he would have split that heat race talent. And yes, he would have qualified because he would have got back to ninth place. But when you take all of the West Coast talent and you lump them into one heat race, yeah, there was no chance he was going to get back to ninth. And he even got close. I get it. But I stood by my prediction that there was no way. He would have made it easily in a normal West Coast heat race. He would have got back to, you know, fifth or fifth or so. So... Him going to the LCQ along with Brandon Hartraft and uh, lots of there was lots of good guys. I'm trying to remember Alex Martin was in there. That 250 LCQ was stacked. I mean, even Hunter Lawrence didn't qualify, which my fantasy team really suffered from, and we'll get into that later. But I can't even imagine the amount of pressure Dylan Ferrandez was feeling sitting on the line for that LCQ and, and he made it pretty easy. He got the start, which you do. He had first gate pick, which, which helped. And, um, yeah, I mean, really the, the scary part was if he gets in a first turn crash or second turn crash again, there's just no time. It's a really short race, but he got the start. He got through and, uh, did what he needed to do. And then you just kind of felt a little bit more at ease for him. You know, he had a seven point lead and at least he was going to get a chance. Uh, but again, more chaos and, and the LCQ really was the story of the afternoon going into the main events was, I think there were five or six factory guys in that LCQ and it, it was really how deep the West was. And you add in a, a crash here or there and you had a super stacked LCQ. Now going into the main events, I kind of expected what we saw. Well, I shouldn't say that because we did see a red flag and Austin Forkner just grenaded himself into the ground, which sucks. And hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's able to, to race Ironman in less than a month, because if we lose him for the summer, that would be a huge loss to, you know, the talent level of this field going into uh, a summer of racing. But I, I really felt like we would see Dylan Ferrandis just kind of cruise and not do anything stupid, which he did. He was avoiding incident at all costs he checked up more than once he actually fell once too but i saw him back out of situations so many times and keep in mind his rival for the championship austin forkner had imploded in the the previous start so he knew really all he had to do was finish as long as justin cooper didn't win the race and verandas have some sort of big issue this thing was over so you really saw him kind of taking it easy Justin Cooper wrote okay. He he's had really a really difficult go in this West round. I mean, he we were kind of talking about the winners and losers of this Salt Lake City bonanza, and I had Justin Cooper near the top along with Justin Barsha and a few other guys. But it just wasn't good. And and you if you are Dylan Ferrandis, your you know expectations of Justin Cooper being able to go out and win were pretty low. I think just from what you've seen him doing lately it just hasn't been very good and I didn't see any reason for that to really change so uh you have to be you had to be pretty calm I think if you were Dylan Ferrandez sitting on the line for the restart 
you just lost your the rival. You know, he's out. And now you have Justin Cooper to deal with, who has not ridden well at all. So it's really just, hey, I just got to finish this race now. Don't do anything stupid. Don't go over the bars. And this title is yours. I really didn't predict what we would see in the East, though. I, I did not think you would see Sexton and McElrath run away with this thing. I think that was a result of Forkner crashing and then all of the pressure being taken off of Ferrandis. That was probably your biggest factor. Then you throw in Jet Lawrence crashing. You throw in Cameron McAdoo crashing. Uh, So there was a lot of chaos that led to the Sexton McElrath runaway. Um, But yeah, when you still look at it on paper, it it was a little bit of what I thought would happen. Nine out of the top 12 were West Coast guys. And that's factoring in, you know, Forkner and Nichols being out to, you know, premier guys from each coast, but still nine out of the top 12 were West Coast guys. So that just tells you where the series talent was. It was really heavy on the West, and there were some East Coast injuries that led to that, but man, that West Coast was tough. Getting into the main event out of the West was no easy task. Just ask Hunter Lawrence. He's a really well-paid 450, you know, premier elite guy. And I think he will win outdoor nationals this summer and he didn't even make the main event. So tough sledding for, uh, for Hunter for sure. So leaving this, uh, this two fifty supercross experience, you know, what are the takeaways? I think Dylan Ferrandis is prime and ready to move to the four fifty class. That's back-to-back titles. And remember he's, he's older than these guys. He's a veteran. He should be winning based on talent and based on experience He's raced all over the world. He's, you know, MX2 winner, Motocross the Nations winner. So we shouldn't be shocked that he's he's won this series. I thought Forkner was much, much better, uh, and hopefully he's okay because I thought he came a long way during the break because when we left San Diego February 9th, Ferrandis was significantly better than Forkner. That's, that's my opinion, and – when we came back to Salt Lake, I don't think he was. I think Forkner was every bit as good as Ferrandis, and he had closed that gap down. So I hope we can see that battle rage all throughout the summer. And I think guys like Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence and some of these guys that maybe just don't have the Supercross prowess that those other guys do are going to be a force to contend with. I think Justin Cooper bounces back. And some of these guys that struggle, I think that's going to be their motivation over the next month to really come out swinging uh, once the gate drops for you know motocross, it's, it's just such a different dynamic. And guys like Hunter Lawrence, yeah, they're they're motocross guys. Like Supercross is new to them. They didn't really grow up riding Supercross. You know, Hunter Lawrence has been in Europe racing MXG MX2, part of the uh, MXGP series. That's really where his talent lies, and that's where his focus has probably been for a while. Like he knows he can be a a Lucas Oil Pro Motocross champ. I don't think that was really his thought process coming into this salt, these salt lake grounds. I think he was just trying to get through it and stay healthy and be prepared and yeah, put results up too. But we all know that Hunter Lawrence, his talent for now lies in the outdoor series. So East coast, we kind of covered Sexton really raised his game and now he'll move to the 450 for this summer. I don't know what this means for McElrath. Uh, he does not have a contract that I know of for the 450 class for next year. I think he will get one somewhere. I just don't know where that will be. I don't know where he'll land. I think this summer is is going to be important for him 
he's he needs to to regain the momentum and he needs to win some motos and i think that will go a long way for not only his landing spot but also the the rate of pay he's going to receive he he just needs to not let this supercross series loss weigh on him and and weigh on his prospective opportunity for 2021 but he's a pretty resilient dude and i think he'll bounce back Uh, i think he'll start at the front more times than not outdoors so we'll see a lot of top three top five starts from him which will put him in a good position to get good results so uh just watch for that and see where this summer takes him and see what i guess what team he lands on because there's a lot of mo- there there are a lot of moving parts right now for the 450 rides and there are not many available rides so i could certainly see him ended up ending up at like jgr now, I don't know what kind of bikes JGR will be on. A lot of speculation between, you know, Gas Gas or, or what have you. But couldn't you just see Shane McElrath being from, you know, the Carolinas? I think he's from North Carolina. And JGR being North Carolina-based. I could see him landing a Gas Gas on a JGR bike very easily. And that's, that's I'm making a huge assumption assumption there that, JGR would switch to gas gas and then they're going to hire Shane McElrath. But I could see that, that happening, whether they kept Brock Tickle or Joey Savacci or both. Um, yeah, we'll see. I have heard that they have a letter of intent for a title sponsor for 2021. So that's great news. Uh, we definitely need JGR around. They're a great, I don't even want to say privateer effort because they usually have factory equipment, but their presence is very much needed to add jobs and add, add, uh, professional, another professional team to the sport. Speaking of JGR, they are a proud user of Pirelli tires and saw Brock Tickle have his best race in a very long time on Pirelli tires yesterday. So kudos to those guys and thanks for being a industry seating podcast sponsor. I have talked to several listeners over the past few weeks who have gone out and tried Pirelli tires, and I certainly appreciate that. I think you will be very happy with the performance of your Pirelli tires, and it was cool to see the JGR team get some kind of results. They had Freddie Noren in the main event as well, which is cool, so kudos to those guys. I want to thank uh, Blenzall Oils, and if you have not gotten a chance to go to Blenzall Instagram or go to Blenzall.com, please do. They are a proud sponsor of Michael Wessie, and he's going to be racing a Blenzall YZ125 this summer, and as I've said in this podcast, I think he's going to dominate those guys. When Michael Essie puts his mind to something like exhibition like this, as we saw like Moto Fight Club, he's pretty darn tough to beat, and the guy has so much experience racing this stuff. So that'll be that'll be fun and interesting, and, and if we know anything, the Alessis bring excitement to racing. So watch for that. Go to blendsall.com. Uh, 10% discount on, on pints, or uh, you can mix and match your case of pints right now. So check that out. And they also have a lot of new merchandise too. Uh, they have a new co-branded, uh, seat cover with guts racing. I saw the, some pictures of those on their Instagram, which look pretty awesome too. So Andy Gregg and the blends all boys coming together to uh, create a new cool product there. So check out at blends all on their Instagram too. Now getting into some of the 450 racing. We kind of knew that this was Tomac's championship to lose. That was not shocking, and yes, the championship's up up for grabs, and I'm sure the TV broadcasts play that up, and, and of course, anything could happen, but without catastrophe, this was a bit of a foregone conclusion that Tomac was going to win his first 450 championship. I was more interested to see kind of how the race went because I always feel like these fi- finales open the door for new winners – 
and unlikely results. And that's what we got. The reason for that is because uh, a lot of times the championship leader is not going to do anything stupid. He's just going to cruise. And that's exactly what Tomac did. Now, full disclosure, I expected Cooper Cooper Webb to go win the race easily. That's what I predicted. It's what I wrote. That didn't happen. He He crashed on the start and was really never a factor in this main event. But we did see that variance that I was mentioning. Zach Osborne went out and won his first ever 450 main event. And yes, he did get some help. Jason Anderson lost his seat, but that was after Zach Osborne lost the side panel. So I don't know what was going on with those Huskies, but they were shedding parts everywhere. Now, having said that, they did sweep the podium. Dean Wilson got a third. So if you're Husky, you've gone through some change. They they have some things going on behind the scenes with upper management on that team, and that's not really my business to share. But to see them go out and sweep the podium for the finale had to feel good. That had to be a a great moment for everybody involved with that team. And whether you, you know, if you are a member that's still involved or not, that had to make you feel good. It was just awesome. I, I, I really felt for all that team going through change. That's a pretty cool deal. Teams don't sweep podiums very often. And I think if you were taking bets on Husky sweeping a podium this season, you could have got pretty good odds on it. So great job to all those guys. I kind of felt like Dean, left an opportunity out there. He gets a whole shot. He's got his teammates there, but he didn't have to deal with Roxon or Webb or Tomac or any of the, the likely suspects. So yeah, podium's great, but you got to feel like if you're Dino, you, you had a chance to go with those guys and be a factor to win at the end, especially you look at Anderson's seat falls off and, and Osborne's side panel comes off. So those they're wounded, right? They are vulnerable. And Dean just couldn't hang to uh, to put himself in position to win there. But still, great job by all three of those guys. I want to thank Plum Creek Funding for being a part of this podcast too. Now, if you are looking to refinance or buy something, I know it's crazy times, but there has never been a better time. Mortgage rates are all-time low. And I was looking up some data on this. Mortgage applications and refinance applications were up 10% last week. And the reason for that is because we've never seen rates this low. So everybody who's kind of been on the fence is taking advantage of that. 10% is a big number. That's a lot of people acting on this. So reach out to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding. His cell phone number is 720-212-4685. And you can go to at Plum Creek Funding. Just ask questions. That's really the best recommendation I can make. Whether you need to buy a new house or not, that's up to you. But asking questions about your opportunities to maybe refinance your current house is that's that's just smart. That's just going to save you a lot of money long term. You start doing the math on how much a you know half a percent or even a full percent can save you over the course of a, a mortgage loan, and it'll blow your mind. So thank you to Plum Creek Funding. Now a little bit of the other 450 action. If you were watching Tomac, you had to be pretty bored because he wasn't doing anything. He, he was seriously just cruising, and I do not blame him 1%. It's exactly what I would have done. He knew, I'm sure, he could read pit boards, and, and you have a little bit of situational awareness. You can kind of look around. Cooper Webb was not in this race battle at all, right? Roxham was behind him. Webb was behind him. And, and this is Tomac riding around in like 6th or 7th at the time. So if you're Tomac, you're just like, 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm not going to, you know, push the front or take any big chances or really, uh, you know, ride on the edge of traction or any of that. I'm just going to follow Mookie around and I'm going to let him bring me on home. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, we've seen Tomac really struggle in high pressure situations and, I don't want to say make poor decisions, but it has not gone his way. And that's fair. Uh, That's just fair to say it hasn't gone his way. He's been the best guy more than once in a series and has not ever won this 450 Supercross championship until now. So my question is, where does this go? Because that pressure had to be immense. It had to be weighing on him every single year, every race he won. Somebody would ask the question, is this going to be your year? Are you finally going to win the title? Are you finally going to get that monkey off your back? I think he did. I think this was a huge moment in his legacy because you were always going to, you know, anytime you brought up Tomac before, you're like, yeah, but he's never won a title. He's won 30-something races, 30-something Supercross races, never won a title. That's, That's difficult. That's a big asterisk to have floating around all the time. It's in every single conversation about Eli Tomac. Not anymore. It's gone. It's done. He doesn't even have to ever worry about that conversation again. So to me, that's huge. That's that's probably the biggest accomplishment ever for him. And he's got, what, three outdoor championships, 250 outdoor championships, 250 Supercross champions. He's got a lot, right? He's got a lot of titles. But to me, this is by far the biggest one. It's the biggest accolade he has. And it's for good reason, not only because it's the premier series globally, but to me, it's because of the hardship that he suffered in the past and the championships he let slip through his fingers. He finally made good on it. And that is such a big moment in his career. And you always, you just kind of wondered, right? You look back on guys like Damon Bradshaw and, some of the legends of the sport, Kevin Windham is another one. They never got that title. They were so great, and we will always remember how awesome they were and their place in the sport, but they, they never were able to get over the hump and get that title done. And to think that Eli Tomac was going to fall into that trap was crazy because he has like double the wins of those guys. But that's all for not now. He's your champ. And I think he's going to come into this outdoor series with his hair on fire because he's going to have all that pressure removed. And he's won this outdoor title three years in a row. You got to assume his confidence is going to be at an all-time high. He's not going to have anything looming in the back of his mind, you know, because I think the last few years he's come off of Supercross devastated, right? Devastated that he didn't win the title. Devastated that he let another one get away. And he's had to regroup and just kind of – reset his mind and and go out and and try to find a way to be mentally strong again he's gonna have more confidence than ever ever right he should be smiling all the way to iron man and be able to ride worry free because even if the outdoor series you know this lucas oil pro motocross series doesn't go well i don't think it's going to be the end of the world because he's got that supercross crown now i just think that will help him more than anything i think it will propel him forward and good luck to these guys trying to beat him this summer. That's all I'm going to say on that. Now, I want to thank Works Connection for coming on this podcast. Eric Phipps has been around forever with Works Connection. He sponsored all the factory teams for a long time. And again, my first memories were with uh, 
frame guards. That's what I really remember when I first started thinking about Works Connection. But their catalog has expanded so much over time, and they have so many awesome accessories for your motorcycle. Now, the one they are really proud of here and have asked me to talk about is a Pro Launch Start device. I, I still run into people that are like, "Yeah, I don't use a I don't use a start device," and I just shake my head because there is simply no way to get a good start against against a start device. You can't do it, especially on, on dirt, which most starts are. You have no chance, and it's usually you know the older generation that are like they're kind of just like, "Ah, you don't need that. It doesn't work." And I'm like, "You are crazy." I've raced with them and I've raced without them at, on every level, amateur and pro. And it's not an arguable point. It's impossible to beat someone with a, a start device on their bike over time, right? Okay, maybe there's going to be one aberration where you just get everything perfect. But 99 times out of 100, you're going to get smoked off the start without a starting device on your bike. So I would ask you to try the Pro Launch Start device. The cool thing about this Pro Launch Start device from Works Connection is it's purpose built for your motorcycle. There are some other devices out there that are more one size fits all, and they are very difficult to assemble. There's a lot to them. They're very complex. And for a guy like me, who is not that guy, I'm not handy. I'm not a mechanic. I would have a hell of a time putting this together or installing this thing. The Pro Launch Start device is built for your fork diameter, and it's very easy to install because it's, it's custom built for your model. So check out those guys, WorksConnection.com, at WorksConnection on Instagram. Also want to thank 612 Suspension. Now, I don't care what you have. If you have an ATV, UTV, dirt bike, street bike, uh, off-road bike, whatever you're doing, 612 Suspension has the answer for you. They are part of the Racetech family, so obviously you know they have the resources behind them to make sure you're getting the best equipment possible. But whether you need a revalve or oil change or whatever, if you want the ultimate suspension performance on your power sports unit. And again, that's everything, right? It doesn't, it can be your side-by-side. -side. It could be your bike. You ride off-road. It could be adventure touring. It could be whatever. I promise you that they can upgrade your suspension. Stock suspension from the factory is built in a way that it's, it has to work for every situation. It, it can't be custom tuned for one style of riding or one, you know, uh, weight or height or riding speed or skill level because it has to work for everybody. Now, what that means is you're going to sacrifice somewhere because if something's built to work for everybody, it's definitely not custom built to work for you. So that's one place that you can really raise your level is having suspension that's custom built for you, custom built for your speed and the way you ride. And maybe you ride in the sand all the time. Maybe you ride in New York and it's hard pack. And you need a little bit softer. So there are things that you can really utilize with 612 suspension to make your bike ATV, UTV, uh, just a better experience overall. And if nothing else, it's going to work better and, and be a little bit safer. Finally, I want to thank Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia. Check out their Instagram. Now, their last Instagram post, seriously, blew me away. And I, I've said that multiple times, but I just looked a little while ago. It was like 445 this morning. They had like an engine cover and it looked like garbage, the, the before picture. And they turned it around and it looks brand new. Now their, their call sign here, their motto is don't trash it, vapor blast it. And that is a perfect example of that because the before picture is like, you need to throw that in the garbage, whatever that is, whatever bike that came off of. And I'm assuming 
assuming it was off some sort of vintage bike, but they did their, their treatment to it. And the thing looks brand new. So go to at premier vapor blasting and check out the work they're doing over there. Mention the industry seating podcast on a, for a lot of these sponsors, 612 suspension, you get a discount premier vapor blasting, you get a discount. So mentioned the industry seating podcast when you do business with these guys. And I appreciate all of you checking these companies out. And finally, thank you to fly racing. Of course, you know, I work for fly racing and I'm headed to California to do some media work this week and show the media, the 2021 line. So, uh, yeah, right back at it. I, uh, I have a flight here in about four hours to head to California. Now getting into a little bit of what we'll see as we move forward. Uh, I think some of these guys are going to have bounce back rides and, and they're going to improve as we go into outdoors. And there's two things here. So I have Benny Blossom, Blake Baggett circled there. And yesterday they absolutely killed me. My fantasy team lived and died with Benny Blossom, Blake Baggett. And they killed me. I, there's no other way to say it. Benny was riding a great race and crashed twice. And I don't know what Blake Baggett was doing. I guess his hands fell asleep is what the story I got is, but it was not good. It was not a good race for Blake Baggett. I mean, he went backwards. He got a bad start and then went backwards. And listen, I know there are more important things than fantasy motocross, but holy crap, Blake, that was annihilation to my fantasy team. I do think these guys will be better outdoors, though. Uh, They are both very you know, talented and, and they're always kind of good outdoors, right? That's what we expect from those two. You know, Blake is capable of winning motos and then Benny, you know, we've seen him really improve lately. And I had dinner with Benny last night and his dad, Jeff, and they are very confident going into this outdoor series about what Benny's going to be capable of. And from what I've seen lately from Benny's riding, he should be very confident. The biggest question mark for Benny is, can he get the starts? Can he avoid starting 20th and having to move forward? If he can start 10th, I see a lot of top tens in in Benny's future. If he starts 25th, I see a lot of 12ths and 14ths in Benny's future, just because the guys are gone. By the time you get to the front, the guys that you're capable of running with and beating the Brock tickles and, uh, who else would be in that group? Uh, Justin Barsha's and Aaron Plessinger's, those guys are going to be gone if you allow them to start in front of you. So just something to watch for with those guys. But I wanted to mention the absolute devastation that they gave to my fantasy team. Um, yeah, cost me a lot of money in some money leagues. But moving on, we're going we're gonna to survive. We're going to move on. So I think Tomac wins his fourth title in a row. That's what I believe. I think the only person that can really – change that would be Cooper Webb. I think Zach Osborne has an outdoor outside chance at that. And I really worry about Roxon's health holding up. This is going to be a very hot summer. Cause remember we're going to start in July and we're going to race July, August, September. That's going to be blazing hot because normally we start in May and you get some of these rounds in late May, you get Colorado the first of June some of these are, you know, the highs in the seventies on some of those days. And that really is, I, th- I think that's good for Kenny Roxon. racing it, starting the series in July. <laughs> you're not going to get any cool days. It's going to be blazing hot all the way through. 
maybe the last couple rounds in late September, early October start to cool off. But there's no guarantee of that. So uh, I like Tomac to win again. I think Webb wins a lot of motos, and he's going he's gonna to get the start at times, and Tomac maybe doesn't, and he's going to win. But I just like Tomac getting it done over 24 motos, and I think Zach Osborne will win some motos as well. And then Roxon, we know, when he's feeling it, is really hard to deal with. I just don't think there's going to be enough of that, and there's going to be too many motos where he just struggles to – I don't even know how to describe it, right? It, you want to say hold his fitness level, but it, it just seems like whatever ails him flares up and there's nothing he can do about it and there's no predicting it. And just on those days, he's going to give up 10, 15, 20 points and, and you can't do that. That's just not sustainable. So I think we'll just see more of the same uh, in this outdoor championship as we saw last year. The usual suspects will rise to the top. I do feel like we have a chance for uh, some variance, though. Guys like Baggett that I mentioned. Uh, Jason Anderson is riding really well. You know, what can Marvin Muscan do? He's going to be back in the series. Can he add some flair to this? Do we see Jeffrey Hurlings come over? There was talk of that. There has been a little bit of talk of that because the MXGP series doesn't start until August 9th, I believe. I need to double-check that. But that's three weeks before, or excuse me, three weeks after Ironman. So could we see Hurlings come over and get a little warm-up going on? He, he, we obviously know how fast he is at Ironman. So that would be a very comfortable race, I think, for him to come into because he knows the track. He knows, you know, the, the city. And I guess the only question would be, is the border even open? And with the COVID spikes we're having, that could be – the biggest factor eliminating that is he may not even be able to get in the country. So I probably should have thought about that before I mentioned it, but there has been talk about Hurlings coming over early, regardless of the border issue. Um, it's a pretty interesting rumor to be floating around. So I guess I would have to put it as, as unlikely just due to coronavirus. but man, I would love to see some more crossover. I'd love to see guys from our series going over there for one-off rounds and some guys from over there coming over here for one-off rounds. I just think it adds so much to the series. It doesn't matter. The points aren't even the – it's not even a factor. It just adds a huge entertainment, you know, level to it and uh, gives us all something to talk about and and stirs up all those, you know, USA versus MXGP storylines we all love so much. So again, thank you everybody for listening. We're finally done with Supercross. Got a few weeks off before the Outdoor Championship, but I'm looking forward to this summer. We don't have a full schedule released yet. I've heard some rumors. We we do know that we're going to Ironman July 18th and then WW Ranch on July 25th. Those rounds are, are locked in as of now anyway. And I think we're going to see some some more news come out even maybe this week on where else we're headed. But I've heard some strange names and some some tracks that wouldn't really be the first tracks you would think of. So that's interesting. We could go some tracks maybe we haven't been to in years. Maybe we've never been to. So watch for that. Watch for some, some names to be thrown out there that you're not expecting because I certainly wasn't expecting them. So we'll see how that all develops. And again, that kind of comes full circle to the state these state rules that I was throwing out at first about the NFL, that's absolutely going to be a factor for this Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. 
the states that allow fans to attend events are going to get prioritized for this summer. I'm just telling you that on the front end. That is a fact. Tracks that have been on the series for years, if we can't have fans there and they're in a state where the government is on lockdown, we're not going. We're not going to go because Lucas Oil Pro Motocross can't function without fans. That's just a fact. The business model does not work without fans coming to support the series. So I guess if you want to lobby to your your governor or whatever, that'll help. That's the biggest roadblock to getting your favorite national in your state. Your home state is the government allowing crowds to congregate. And whether you think that's a good idea or a bad idea, that's not for me to decide. I don't care, right? Everybody has their opinion on what's the best thing for America right now. But I can tell you that motocross events happening near you are absolutely dependent on your local government's decisions on that matter. So again, thanks to all the sponsors. Thanks everybody for listening. Really having a a good time with this podcast. Next weekend's podcast, next Sunday's podcast, I will be at the Pulpamex Studios. I will be recording from there and I'm going to do a Q&A. That's what next week's podcast will be is Q&A. So send questions. I have a bunch already. So we're looking good on that, but please send them in. My email is jason36 at aol.com. You can DM me on Instagram. It's at jason66thomas. And I have actually an industry seating Instagram now too. It's at industry seating. So you can send, uh, you can send your questions there too. But yes, that podcast will be a pure Q&A podcast for next weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to a little interaction with listeners. And, uh, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I am certainly enjoying doing it and it's been a big learning process for me, but yeah, it's, it's just entertaining. And I've been, I listen to podcasts all the time, so I totally get this whole concept and I'm going to try to keep improving. Maybe I'll get Steve to join in next week. I keep promising that. And, uh, I, for honestly, I couldn't really ask Steve to do it. He's been so overwhelmed with his own shows we've been doing podcasts literally like every single day lately. So to ask him to join into another one wouldn't really be fair. So I'm going to try to drag him on though, since I will be at his house. All right. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.